2: we get in 2000 is essentially the pay-per-view where we celebrate the hardy boys i mean their influence on the world of professional wrestling cannot be overstated and here matt hardy was the ecw champion and if you can believe it jeff hardy was about to become the wwe champion at this juncture as it has presented itself i will also say that matt hardy should have had a run with that championship at one point but that is a different video for a different time and it also tied in to their 19th anniversary with the promotion now don't you come up in my house and start going simon they debuted with wwe in 1998 so it's the 20th anniversary you can't have an anniversary on the day you start somewhere ipso facto it's 19. <clears throat> sorry about that just a pet peeve of mine and it's not like this was a complete out of nowhere thing either time and time again wwe had decided we are going to correlate jeff harley and then very sadly, personal problems and personal struggles got in the way. But two weeks before Armageddon, Vincent Man sat down, he scratched his head, and he ate a snake wrap and he told everyone to stop sneezing. And he decided that now was the time to do it. And the best thing I read about this is apparently the creative team were all absolutely stunned. Wrestling. There's even reports that Stephanie McMahon mentioned this to her father because she was all like, Do you not remember what happened with Rob Van Dam? We made him the WWE champion, and then he went and did a bad thing, and we're all worried that Jeff Hardy may do the same. So Vince turned to his daughter and said, Well, pal, listen to me. If that does happen, we'll fire him and what a message that will send to the rest of the locker room. But if it doesn't, in the short term, we'll know that Jeff is good and we can plan to give it to him again. And while we would never know for sure, I can totally believe that conversation happening and in other news there was rumors that the UFC was looking at Bobby Lashley who was having a bit of an MMA career at the time and I would have loved to have seen it and Gene Snitsky got fired from World Wrestling Entertainment just because they were making one of their releases now when it comes to Snitsky we do have to mention that his most prominent storyline was that he punted a baby and here's your homework for today go and tell this to someone who doesn't watch wrestling and then report back to me and let me know when their face does this but in front of 12 and a thousand fans in new york city and around about 193 fans on pay-per-view let's up those downs for armageddon 2008 which by the way has a poster of chris jericho about to push a red button as if he's about to nuke the world what the flub is that armageddon 2008 starts off ridiculously of course it does and the main reason for this is Vladimir Gozlov. A very interesting choice as a future main event heel. WWE had basically sat down and gone, well, why don't we go back to what made us work in the 80s? So they decided to put a foreigner in this position so we can go, a foreigner, unbelievable. You're not from these shores, we're gonna boo you. And two were still, oh, he's different, I don't understand him. Now, for starters, that's a bunch of goofiness, but also if you are different or you do stand out in a crowd, that shouldn't be laughed at it should be celebrated. Just to make this even more confusing, he was facing Matt Hardy, who we've already said was the ECW champion. And the reason that title wasn't on the line is because Teddy Long had gone, look, Vlad, you haven't won any matches in ECW, but you want to take on Hardy so you two can have a fight, but the championship isn't going to be contested. It's one of those moments where you just face palm and you think, what the Care, who even wrote that down at this point for some positivity i do want to praise the armageddon set because it's just so damn unique and something that wwe needs to bring back and then going back to the negative nancy side i'm sure vladimir kozlov is a really nice guy but his matches it's not around here is he they're just a little bit dull it's not like it's good or bad but it's kind of just there as he works over body part after body part that's a great way to have any kind of professional wrestling contest because you can tell a story but it's just so laborious. And you sit there and you think, man, this is an opening for a pay-per-view. And now, look, my body is just shriveling up as my shoulders come towards my ears. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I spent most of my time looking at his white pants, trying to decide, is that a good look? Was it a bad look? Does it really make him look that threatening? I shouldn't let those words come out of my mouth. That's actually what I did. There is a good near fall towards the end as Matt Hardy starts busting out the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. The surprise roll up multiple times. That makes you think he is going to win but instead Kozlov just rams his head into the ring post and then if you can believe it, <laughs> hits him with a rock bottom to get the win. And given what was going to happen later on, it would have been nicer if we could have made this a Hardy special, but we didn't do that. So I'll just take it out of my pocket and throw it under there. It comes back to me like a boomerang. Don't know what I'm doing. Down. We zoom to the back after this where Edge and Vicky Guerrero are sat on a couch to go going, ha ha, ha I'm really glad that happened. Because yes, this was a period... When they were a couple. It was as the rated R superstar was trying to manipulate his way to the WWE title. And as soon as he has left, in comes, ooh, Chavo, who's all like Vicky Guerrero. I know you screwed Jeff Hardy on the week. Why don't you tell me? And Vicky Guerrero goes, no, I'm not going to tell you, Chavo. And Chavo goes, oh, you better tell me. And Vicky Guerrero goes, no, go and get me a coffee. then Chavo goes, okay, I will get you a coffee. And none of this made any, any sense. And I do know what the story was. I remember it. But when you just watch this scene, it is like a bickering family and it really does go on way too long. After this as well, you basically see Hornswoggle accost Maria and Fit Finley's there like, oh, I'm sorry, love, he's just a bit crazy. And we're meant to be going, isn't that funny when it's not? And that's when Fit tells his would-be son, look, you can't come out for my match later because last time you did, you almost died. And Hornswoggle's all like, but daddy, I want to come out. All of this was really, really strange. What a wonderful little surprise was next, though, because it was CM Punk versus Rey Mysterio to see who was going to become the number one contender for the Intercontinental title. And the best thing about this is that we can jump forward to 2021. Rey Mysterio is still having great matches. CM Punk is still having great matches. And who the hell would have thought that back in 2008? Up. William Regal and later at ringside too, because the winner will be facing Regal for the Intercontinental Championship. Although they won't, because this was a time where Will had just transformed into the actor Sean Bean. I'm pretty sure you could show this to someone who wasn't familiar with the man and they would have gone, oh, I didn't know Sean Bean was a professional wrestler. And you could say, oh, yeah, he went through a phase. These two then just kick each other's ass as well. I don't mean William Regal and Layla. That would have been a very different contest. I'm talking about Punk and Rey. Punk does a dive early on, which made me laugh because I am a massive nerd. So I was like, Tee-hee-hee. He did one of his first since returning in AEW the other day. And Rey Mysterio just flies around the place. Like as soon as he was born from his mother's womb, he just knew how to do professional wrestling. I know I say this all the time to the point I may even make it into a little bit of a skit. But Rey Mysterio pops up on retro ups and downs all the time. And he's never bad. Which leads me to believe that he may never have had a terrible match. And as ever, that doesn't make any sense. He also seamlessly reverses the GTS into his Hurricane Rana and a 619. And if he hadn't have taken so long, he probably could have hit the splash and won. But he really did take ages, so he misses. The coolest thing about that, though, is that it ties into the finish. Because once again, Punk is going for the 619, but Ray is able to reverse it again. But at this time, when he goes for all his moves, Punk goes, I've got it scouted, because I knew you were going to do that. He does hit him with the GTS, and he becomes the number one contender. Now, the only real shame here is that this is a legitimate gts a legitimate go to sleep because his knee connects with ray mysterio's nose that just goes kablamo all this blood starts pouring out of it that was a sick sick sight you know it was a bad injury too because afterwards punk kind of sidles up to mysterio he's like are you okay i'm really sorry about that and rey's like yeah don't worry about it everyone just beats me up this was a really good match i enjoyed it muchly jeff hardy promo in the back next This was something. Because he just stood in the dark, which made no sense because you could barely see him. And given the words that were coming out of his mouth, well, I think this may have been scripted. Because he has lines like, oh, everybody's tried to break me, so tonight I break the walls down. And that's when Chris Jericho runs in there and just bops him right in the ear for stealing a line from his entrance music. I mean, that doesn't happen, but you think somebody would have realised. So it's bizarre, but as ever, the fans love it. And I tell you, bit in 2020 or 2021, Jeff Hardy could come out and say, you see this puppy, I'm going to beat it up. And all the crowd would go, well, I bet that dog had it coming. Jeff Hardy just has something that always connects and then (laughs) Shawn Michaels comes out and says oh I'm really sorry guys I got no money left because that's right in 2008 WWE was running this storyline and when the Heartbreak Kid was gonna team up with jbl so both of these guys do come out here and sean michaels is given the absolute impossible task of trying to tell the fans why he doesn't have any money but also not get booed and his explanation is basically well you know i did used to be rich but i gave all my money to my friends and my family i wanted to be that guy and like dude while that's a nice gesture are you telling me that you are so dumb and you are so stupid that even when your bank account like had negative figures you were still handing out cash even though you couldn't afford a sandwich. I'm sorry if you were doing that. I have no sympathy for you. All of this was tied into the fact that The Wrestler had just been released as well. And because it had got a lot of critical acclaim, as ever, Vince McMahon probably went, well, we can do better than that, pal. And they came up with this. And it's certainly not bad. And HBK does a good job with it. It is just entirely unbelievable. This is why he has had to team up with John Bradshaw Layfield, though, because he doesn't want to be an old wrestler still wheeling himself out to the ring when he's long past it. And even though Sean, like I've already said, does do a good job with this. You still get people booing and you still get people going, you sold out, which is also really dumb. You sold out doesn't mean that, oh man, you don't wanna die, huh? From hunger, boo, boo, you sold out. Everything involved in this is just really, really, really silly. The real question is why this aired on pay-per-view because it does go on for one hell of a long-ass time and 24 hours later, WWE was just going to air it on Raw. Now, given the fact that when we get to Chris Jericho versus John Cena, they had to cut their match because Armageddon was running too long. Well, it really will confuse your brain. From a 2021 perspective, though, it is quite nice. I'm not watching every single Raw and every single SmackDown. I'm just existing on this very specific day. And I did enjoy seeing this, even though, yeah, it's absolutely ludicrous. But I'm giving
1: it up. Randy Orton is about to do a promo after this
2: as well and he gets us a well stupid question because it goes, what's your strategy for your match later? And if he had gone, well win, you would have been like, yeah. But in 2008, he was the leader of Legacy. So given that Cody Rhodes is by his side, he does the talking duties here. And I tell you, anytime I see Cody Rhodes back in the day, I'm like, Man, they have no idea. They have no idea that this guy's going to help change professional wrestling. Makes me feel warm and fuzzy in my dub dub. Mark Henry and Fit Finlay then tried to kill each other. My word. Because it was a Belfast brawl, which is why Finlay had said to his son, you can't come to the ring. And we really do not praise fit enough. He takes a horrible bump on his hip hair and he spends the rest of the match selling it. And he does such a good job. I was like, he must be hurt. He must be injured. And then I went on the internet and I Googled it and I had been worked. He really good. Henry then works over this hip, and you can almost hear in your own head, Fit Philly before the match saying to Henry, Oh, Mark, we gotta get ye over as a monster, so you gotta kick my arse. It he really does, this is carnage. It also ends with every weapon under the sun, so you've got kendo sticks and you've got chairs and you've got garbage cans. And if you had told me that the idea or the purpose of this match was try to crack open the other person's skull and drink the blood out of it, I would have believe you because they are just hitting each other so hard. Hornswoggle is also eventually out there because he doesn't listen to his father, as well as Tony Atlas, who was managing Mark Henry at this time. And despite all of this other stuff in play, do you know what is the most terrifying weapon here? <laughs> the
1: shillelagh.
2: I mean, Mark grabs the first one and snaps it in two because again, it's just some weird pipe thingamajig. But then Hornswoggle produces another one and Finlay hits Mark Henry and that's enough to beat him. I don't mean to laugh, it's just funny. Does anyone really know what a shillelagh is? I mean, of course you do, you just Google it, you can find out, or if you know, you know. But again, we have seen all these weapons. But we didn't realize it was about the dreaded shillelagh. So this was proper, proper, over-the-top stupid stuff. But it was always meant to be that way. And I was entertained. Oh. WWE then hit the crazy button. And I promise you, everything that's about to come out of my mouth is 100% accurate. Because we are backstage with all the divas and Charlie Haas, who is dressed up as Santa Claus, when Santino Moreno and Beth Phoenix walk in there. And never forget, they were a great pairing. And Beth's all like, I was the diva of the year, aren't I the best? That's irrelevant though, because the boogeyman then appears. He scares off Santino. And then as Phoenix tries to leave, she bumps into Goldust, who is under the mistletoe. Then without missing a beat, the boogeyman, Goldust, Jesse, Fetus, and IRS, all start singing Christmas carols and I had to check my whole body because I'm like somebody has clearly injected me with drugs and I'm starting to trip and talking to drugs Mr Kennedy Kennedy then arrives tells us not to do this kind of thing but to also buy his dvd And that's how the whole segment ends. We then come back to Jerry, Laura, Michael Cole, who are like, ha ha ha, that was a funny segment. I'm like, no, it wasn't. It was absolutely terrifying. And it confused me so much. I had to watch it again and I made the same notes and then I compared my pieces of paper. But yes, this is something that happens on Armageddon 2008. I never, I I don't even have words. Who the hell booked this down? Batista versus Randy Orton was next. And while they did feud loads, I always forget that they did have a bunch of matches, which probably doesn't say a lot for this. Unlike today too, WWE also winds back the clock here and says, hey, do you remember in 2004 when Batista was part of Evolution and they kicked out Randy Orton and I always enjoy when we tie the past into the present because we're all nerds, we're all geeks, and it rewards you for watching and it took all of 30 seconds to do it here. The most fascinating part of all of this does tie into what we were talking about earlier, and the fact that Randy Orton was the leader of Legacy, because we all remember Cody Rhodes was in that group, we all remember that Ted DiBiase Jr. was in that group, but in 2008, for around about the time it takes to eat a biscuit, Manu is also in the thing, and before long, he would just vanish off the face of the planet. This does mean that halfway through, Cody and Manu are out there and they're just beating up Batista, and do you know the ref does? He watches. He's like, well, yeah, shit does happen sometimes, but I'm not going to disqualify you. And instead, I'm just going to chase you off to the back. But the damage has still been done here. It's a mystery that this was allowed to go on. This shows itself instantly, too, because Dave goes for the Batista bomb, but Randy always was able to reverse it into a DDT. And the cavefabe guy and me was like, well, do you think that was going to happen without this unnecessary attack? I say no. Or, and even Superplex is the animal, which goes to show how WWE has always seen Randy. And then, kind of oddly, we get rock bottom number two because Randy goes for the RKO, but Batista says, Nope, I'm gonna give you this instead. And I did some digging, and in 2008. WWE and The Rock weren't the best of friends It wouldn't surprise me if someone had said Hey go take his move and eradicate it This happens twice too because once again Randy goes for his finishing move but it doesn't work Although this time Batista is able to hit the Batista bomb And he gets the one, two, three. The start of this was quite slow but it picks up And I enjoyed seeing it, it had a big match feel Eh, I give it an up And speaking of the 2000s or the late 2000s it's then time for our Divas match. So we had Maria, Mickey James, Kelly Kelly, and Michelle McCall taking on Victoria, Maurice, Gillian Hall, and Natalia. And if you can believe it, this takes place as a Santa's Little Helper match. This is what i do with my face the whole time i didn't want to want to watch it because of all this the good guys were dressed in red and the bad guys were dressed in green and who the hell knows why and all you really need to know is that before this was over out came the great Kali who wanted to kiss everyone that's right The great Kali, a giant man, walked from the back all the way to the ring because he wanted to kiss some women. How did this garbage ever exist? In between all this too, Michelle McCall got the win after stealing the pin from Maria. So I suppose we meant to think that that was a heel turn. And afterwards, out come Mae Young and she's like, I'll kiss you great Kali," And they start getting off. I paid for this back in the day. So imagine that I paid 20, 25 pounds to watch an old woman and a big, big man kiss. That's not what I wanted to see. Nobody ever needed to see this. And yet not only did we do get it, but the internet wrestling community was more mad that Michelle McCool had done a Styles Clash during this than the fact we had this crap and this nonsense. Talk about misplaced anger, and naturally it's getting it out. Chris Jericho versus John Cena for the WWE titles next though. This was great. Get it up. It's also around this point that you can tell that the show is overrun because these guys have to go super duper quick and they only get around about 12 minutes. And it's also that amazing thing when John Cena's music hits, do 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 do, and everyone goes, oh my gosh, it's John Cena, and then he starts wrestling. (laughs) everyone goes boo 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 it's so much fun you knew this was going to be good when jericho reverses an fu into a face buster on the steel steps and because of the short running time almost instantly we are into the big moves and we're into the near falls but that just makes it all the more exciting because chris hits the code breaker but john cena kicks out so john cena hits the fu but jericho kicks out chris is the guy with the most devastating move in all entertainment but that doesn't work so john cena gets him in the stfu but then chris jericho gets out of that proper wrestling tennis jericho is also able to transition out of that submission move into the walls of jericho which looks really great but sadly he just forgot how strong john cena was because he is then able to turn this or reverse it i suppose into the stfu and this time you can't be in the stfu twice when it comes to cena poor old Chris jericho has to tap out the fans explode initially before realizing oh no wait we want to jeer this man John Cena is such an interesting wrestling social experiment, I don't even get what was going through people's brains. Look, John Cena and Chris Jericho always had really good chemistry, and this was just another case in point. It was then time for our main event match, and yes, world title attempt number two. And for many people, this is one of their best wrestling memories ever. And you can totally see why. But it is Edge versus Triple H versus Jeff Hardy. And the best thing about it is that it is still a Jeff Hardy match. It's not like Triple H and Edge were like, man, we're not going to do all your crazy stuff. Because almost instantly, Hardy is just throwing himself around like he thinks he's a human airborne missile. But he wipes out Edge with this nuts dive early on. And this ties into the other story. The Triple H is like, well, it's a triple threat match. If I keep going for pedigrees, maybe I can pull off the easy win. Do you know why he's not able to do it? Because once again, Jeff just has laser focus, and anytime he sees it, whoop, he just jumps in. The only thing that I presume we were going to get, but we didn't, is a camera just zooming into Jeff Hardy, who's going to be like... <laughs> After the first three minutes, because I honestly think in that time period, he has gone to the top rope 679 times. This is even the case when Triple H goes for his finishing move on the announce table, but Jeff Hardy just will not allow it. But this leads to an absolute brilliant spot, because Edge sees this, goes, ha ha, I'm the ultimate opportunist. I'm gonna take advantage. He goes to spear the game, Triple H gets out the way and he just nails Jeff Hardy and they go smashing down. This looks super duper good and my word does it get a reaction. The only thing that does annoy me during this is that yes, halfway through, out comes Vladimir Kozlov. And we all knew where this was going to go down the line, but this totally didn't need it, dot, 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 except for the fact that we were trying to protect Triple H because he does hit the pedigree. He does have the match won. But of course, that's when Vlad goes, oh, I'm going to come in there and take over from you. Don't know what that was, the worst accent I've ever heard. But it meant that Triple H had a get out of jail free card and I would have taken that and just thrown it out the window. To be fair, Kozlov does go after everyone because he also shoves Jeff Hardy off the top rope and that is yet another horrible bump. And this is when Matthew Hardy comes out because he's like, How dare you touch my brother? I shall now seek revenge. It also works as a great diversion tactic because then back in the ring, Edge nails Triple H with a spear for an amazing near fall. And then when he goes to get the double chairs through the concerto, everyone's like, Oh no, Jeff Hardy's not going to win. It's going to be Edge. Instead, though, Jeff decides, No, I'm not going to let that happen. And he gets the chair and he just whams Edge over and over again. And this does tie into the ending, which once again is just so well worked. Because Jeff is going for the swanton bomb but triple h puts a stop to that so then he grabs edge and gives him the pedigree and he goes for the cover But then hardy realizes you know what i don't care that my ball just went slamming down onto a rope i'm gonna swanton bomb both of these guys he does he jumps off he breaks up the pin he then looks at them and goes well i better pin edge because he also got pedigreed he does and the referee goes one and the referee goes two and even here in 2021 i did not believe the three was coming but it does and jeff hardy is the WWE champion. This is absolutely fantastic because of the noise that greets by this, and you can actually look at the fans' faces and they're stunned. They're like, oh my gosh, WWE actually did it. I didn't think it was going to happen. The end of the show celebration is proper over the top two to underline the fact that we're trying to make this a big deal, and it's a shame that Matt Hardy did come out to join in with this after the pay per view was over. I ain't going to worry about that. So this is absolutely a match you need to watch. You need to have it in your brain. You need to have it in your memory bank because it was kind of one of those moments where we gave the fans exactly what they want. And when you give the fans exactly what they want, It is getting up. As always, I give you a second opinion so you can't get mad at me. And we turn to the Wrestling Observer star ratings because Dave Meltzer gave Vladimir Kozlov versus Matt Hardy one and a quarter stars. He gave CM Punk versus Rey Mysterio three and a half stars. So they're absolutely smashing it. Fit Finley versus Mark Henry got one star, which seems most unfair. It was fun. Batista versus Randy Orton got two and a half stars. That woman thing got half a star. I mean, you really can't blame them. It's not their fault. It's WWE's. John Cena and Jericho got three and a half stars and the main event, got a whopping four stars. So there you go, Armageddon 2008 is in the retro books, and of course it gets it up. Not only is it a fine show to watch, but that main event is the cherry on top.
0: Hold up.